Hello, my name is Valerie, and I am here today uh, to, wait, well, I'm sorry, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong place. I'm thinking that today is my usual Tuesday morning, which I am at CPA, Church Planters Anonymous, the place where all the crazy people show up, because we are addicted to chaos. <laughs> But I am actually here today with you to let you know that God is good first and foremost and that he is for us. And if he is for us, he is more than all the world against us. And so welcome, welcome. And who knows, maybe one day I'll have some people sitting in here joining me on my Tuesday mornings at CPA, Church Planters Anonymous. <laughs> oh man, I'm honored to stand before you all today. I wanna say a special thank you to, to um, President Tennant and to Dr. Legrone for having me here. Every time I step onto this campus, it is like a peace, you know, just a peace that just overtakes me and just slows my heart and slows my life down. And so I just wish I could stay here forever, uh, but they won't keep me. <laughs> oh man, you all heard the word today um, for you out of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 8 through 14. But I wanted to highlight a couple of verses before that as well. Uh, before we get started today. And it starts in verse five where he's, uh, Paul is talking to Timothy and he tells him, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which was first lived, you get that word, lived, not you know, stated or assumed, but it was first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Can someone look at you today in your life and say, I am persuaded that Christ lives in you because of the lifestyle that you live, not by the words that you speak, but by the lifestyle that you live. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This is for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. Can you say that? Gives us what? I don't believe you. It gives us what? I promise you all, I come out of a Pentecostal church. The church that I pastor now is a part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, but we are kind of like the crazy stepchildren. So we, we, we praise God very loudly. So if you say amen every now and then, it won't scare me at all. <laughs> but he has given us what? Power. Power. Love and self-discipline. God has given us power, love, and self-discipline. So he's talking to this young man 
Paul came into Timothy's life, he was probably around the age of 16 is what, I, what I've studied and learned. So he was a young man. And he began to, to work with Timothy, Timothy and to prepare him for the ministry that God had placed in his hands. And can you imagine being young, it was probably around in, the, in his early 20s that he actually began to move into this ministry that Paul had spoke into his life. He became the pastor of Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. Can you imagine at 24, 25, some of you in here are that age now, taking over a mega church. We're all familiar with, let's see a few mega churches. You may know T.D. Jakes and the Potter's House, okay? Mega church. Or you are taking over North Point in Atlanta, Georgia, Andy Stanley. One of those churches, and they come up to you and they say, hey, I, you're going to be the next pastor. What would be happening in your mind at that point? You'd probably be a little timid, probably be a little scared, but Paul knew this, and Paul spoke it. He says, do the power that God gives us, the Spirit of God, he gives us not to be timid, but to walk in power, love, and self-discipline. I probably have some historians in here, so if I butcher this next story, just say, Jesus helper. Okay, but in May of 1804, Captain Meriwether Lewis, and who was a, uh, the, a captain of the then army, and his lieutenant um, Clark were set. They set out to explore some new acquired land in the West. Uh, the president. Thomas Jefferson sent them. He says, I want you to go and explore this new land that we have acquired. And they believed that they would have an easy access starting on the Missouri River and that they would be able to continue to use that passage to go into this new land. And so as they set out, they recruited people to come and be a part of it. And, you know, they let them know, hey, you get to be a part of, you know, this first expedition. We're going to go over. We're going to find this clear passage. And he pretty much let them know, we don't need anybody who's afraid because this is the first time. No one had been over from the Americas. We know there were already natives there. But from the Americas, no one had ventured past the Continental Divide. And so, in, uh, so they started this journey in May of 1804. They finally, in August of 1805, reached what is known as the Limhi Pass. And as they were beginning to go over, they thought that they were going to be able to continue to navigate, but they had to actually get out of their boats and begin to uh, traverse this, this terrain which was rocky because they were coming upon the Rocky Mountains. And so they thought, surely once we get up the mountain, these snow-capped mountains where, you know, these were, uh, they were coming into this cold, unknown place beyond the Continental Divide, and the spine of the Rocky Mountains was showing. I'm sure they were in awe of all of this. But the problem arose when they got to the very top and they were beginning to notice that the land wasn't following the geographic 
understanding that they had at that time. They thought that on the other side of that mountain that they were going to maybe see a plane that would lead to the Pacific. You know, they, they thought they were going to find an easy passage. But what they found was more mountains, taller mountains, snow-capped mountains, things that they were unfamiliar with. And they had some decisions to make. The decisions were, uh, do we get back into our boats and turn around and go back and say, we failed, there's nothing here? And according to uh, uh, the geographical historian John Logan Allen, he says, this was a moment that Captain Meriwether Lewis had to make a decision, and he realized that on top of that limb-high pass, the geography of hope gave way to the geography of reality. Is there anybody in here today that's kind of finding yourself in that place where the geography of hope has now kind of given way to the geography of reality? This is not what I expected it to be. That place where our expectations, our dreams, our hashtag goals are upended by reality. Maybe it's the reality that Hebrew is not a piece of cake. That might be the reality of some in this room. Absolutely. When things like that happen, we get disoriented. We kind of get pulled out of our place, and we start to feel a little bit uncomfortable, much like I did when I stood up here this morning. This is not my, my normal habitat. I felt pulled out of my comfort zone. When we're pulled out of our comfort zone, we start to get a little antsy. We may become irritable. And instead of stopping and falling on our knees and asking God to reorient us, we start lashing out at others. Or we go into a crisis of faith, like we call it, and we begin to question and doubt. And we sometimes give up. We have to remember, though, that is the moment that we need to look up instead of out and even in. Because out will tell you, I told you you were crazy. I told you that planting a church in Savannah, Georgia, where there's a church on every corner, and being an African-American female who has never pastored anywhere before, you've been on leadership teams, and you've been the small groups pastor, and you, but you've never led the whole thing, girl. Coming to that place where you're on limb high pass and you're looking and you're saying, God, I don't understand this. 2019 is when I began the journey to plant Radiant Church in Savannah, Georgia. I had all these expectations. I knew, oh wow, you know, we're gonna get all the funding we need. I'm gonna have all these people that are just riled up and ready to go, and we are going to take Savannah by storm. That was my plan, my hashtag goals. 
that by 2024, we would be hearing from a T.D. Jake saying, what's going on over there in Savannah, Georgia? That was my expectation. That was the end of 2019. We started having interest meetings in January. We had one. It was well attended. I was like, okay, this is good. You know, see, Lord, I, I knew it when I finally said yes and I got rid of all the obstacles and I forgot the fact that I'm an African-American woman who grew up thinking that women couldn't preach and women had no place in leadership. Here I am, Lord. I'm doing what you told me to do. Feeling good in January. February, we come back, we have another interest meeting, and we are doing good. We are rocking and rolling, and things look good. March, we're going to start having two now, guys. We had our first one in March. It went well. The second one was planned for March. I think it was March 19th. After March 15th, we all know what happened on that day, don't we? <sighs> and here I was. I, was. I felt a little bit like David in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. David has been out to war. He was in a place he shouldn't have been anyway. He was living in Ziglag, which was uh, the, Phil uh, the Philistines' territory. So he's living there. He goes out to battle with his men, and they've you know, had a great battle and done great things, and then they come back. And his wife is gone. His children are gone. Their possessions are gone. And these tired, hungry men who have done battle and they thought that they were coming home to enjoy the reward of the battle find that their homes have been desecrated. And it says they wept so hard that there were no more tears to cry. Can you imagine a group of big, burly men just weeping and crying until there was nothing left? I want to see that one day. But I want to see it happen at the altar of God, that they just weep until there's nothing left. But there was only one of them that was willing to weep at the altar. And that was David who also was tired and hungry and ready to settle down. But here he found himself, knowing that the men were plotting to kill him. And it says in verse 6, if my computer will move, isn't that how it goes? It says in verse 6 that David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and for his daughter. But this is the thing that set David apart from the rest of the men. It said, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. He came to the path of hope and reality, and he realized, I can't do this by myself. And so he looked up, and he says, Lord, help me. That word encouraged that we see there is also strengthened. I'm not going to even try to say the Hebrew word and butcher it. 
but it means to strengthen, to brace yourself, to take hold of yourself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't think about the men and say, oh my goodness, these men are going to stone me. He didn't think about the fact that he had just come from a battle. He didn't think about any of that. He began to encourage himself in the Lord. How many of you are at that crossroads, like I said, between hope and reality, but you haven't done what David did. He encouraged, he took strength in the Lord. There I was, pandemic, thinking, oh my God, Lord, I finally said yes after all these years. It's not like I'm 15. It's not your business how old I am either. <laughs> I'm like, it's not like I'm 15. Lord, I finally said yes. I've stopped running, and here I am sitting in Ziklag, burned down. I had the decision to make, the same decision that Lewis and Clark had to make, the same decision that David had to make, the same decision that Abraham had to make, and so many others in the Word of God, they had to decide, how do I go forward? <sighs> David asked the Lord, so Lord, what should I do? Is it just, is it too late? Or, or is my family gone? Is it over? Am I going to be killed here? And he asked the question, shall I pursue? And the Lord said, pursue. David got up. He put it into action. He got up and he said, hey, this is what the word of God says, that we must pursue. There were some of the men who were too tired to go. There were some of them who couldn't muster up the strength to go. But David took those who would, and they not only pursued, but they overcame the army, and they recovered how much? Wait a minute. They recovered how much? All. They recovered all. Because David was not willing to sit in the ashes and say it's over, there's nothing left. David got up, he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, go. Many of you have come into this institution. You know I want to be a pastor, or I want to be a worship leader, or I want to be a missionary. You've got all those things in your mind, and you, I promise. Look at your neighbor and say, she promises that you will reach a point where you get to a limb high pass and you're going to be saying, man, this is not what I expected. This is not what I thought I bought into. This is not what my parents are paying for me to be here to do. Or if you're like me, it is not what I work hard every day to pay for. God, Whew. David was able to do what we must do, and that is when the wind is knocked out of us, let's pursue God. Captain Merriweather, he had a decision to make. He had to get up and say, we're going to go over and we will keep walking. We will keep climbing. We will go up and down and however we must go till we get to where we know 
the destination is, wasn't an easy passage, wasn't an easy place to be, but it was the place that they were commissioned to go. We have to remember that according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and I'm sure you all know that verse so well, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You'll hear me say that about a lot of verses because pretty much the whole book is my favorite. Anyway, but anyway, this particular one, it says that we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance for us. I think the last time I stood here, I preached from that particular passage. And we know that that word masterpiece means poema. It is a, a, a unique piece of work that is made just for us by the master himself. We are his unique creation. Yesterday, I had the honor of speaking to the D-Men students, and I, I, I did a little um, illustration for them, and I think it's appropriate now. We know Apple has this little thing on our phones, right, where it recognizes our face, and, and, <laughs> and it opens for our face. But if I take my phone right now over to Dr. Kylie, and I put it in front of her, it will not open, because it's not her phone. How many of us in here are trying to live out someone else's dream or someone else's expectation for us? Okay? How many of us in this room, we've been told because our dad was a pastor and our grandfather was a pastor and our great-granddaddy was a pastor, you have been called and anointed to be a pastor. How many of us have beautiful voices and someone says you should be a worship leader? They've just anointed you themselves and appointed you to do something, but you're not sure if that is your calling. I'm here today to tell you that you are a unique gift from God. Don't let anyone tell you where you're supposed to be. Ask God, where am I supposed to be? Because I promise you with everything within me, if you come to a limb high pass and you are living someone else's dream, you will stop. You will crash. You will burn. But if you know that you know that you know this is where God has called you and this is what he has anointed you for and this is his unique appointment for you, then you'll pivot. You'll get out of the boat. You'll climb the mountains. You'll stand where in, in snow-covered places where you've never gone before and you'll push on. But if it's someone else's dream, you will crash. We've heard a lot about that word pivot during the pandemic times early on. You got to pivot. You got to be ready to change. You got to be ready to move. You got to be ready to, to, uh, to be uh, fluid. In basketball, a pivot literally means you're on one foot. That's your safe foot. You're dribbling. You're looking. You may turn, but that foot never comes up. You are looking for the next opportunity to score or to pass or to do any of those things. And the only way you can pivot is if you are in the right place, doing the right thing. 
Because pivoting is not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing, and it, it, it's a blow to your ego when you thought that God was calling you to one thing, but when you really look and discover it's something totally different. When we are following God's call, there's three things you're going to need to know. The first is it's a risk. It's a risk. It's going to cost you something. Ask Abraham. Abraham was told to get up from his country and to go to a place that he did not know. He, they, he was told to leave his family. He was told to, to leave the things that were dear to him and go without knowing where it was or how he was going to get there. Ask Paul. Paul, who thought he was doing the right thing by killing, I don't know how he thought that was the right thing, but by killing the people who called Christ their savior. And on the road to Damascus, he realizes this, the voice comes from heaven. You guys know this, right? The voice comes from heaven and it speaks to him and it tells him, how long are you going to kick against the pricks? Because he was going the wrong way. Ask Peter. Peter, who thought, I am going to be a fisherman my whole life. My daddy was a fisherman. My granddad was a fisherman. This is the life that I've chosen, and it's been okay with me. But the Lord says, follow me and become a different kind of fisher, a fisher of men. So it takes risk to leave what you know, to leave what you're comfortable with, to leave what you believed was the right way to leave that place. Whew, some of you have even said you want to be a church planter. Bless your heart. <laughs> Whew, but I'm willing to promise you that you are going to have moments where you need to pivot because there are risks involved. Hmm. Yesterday, I had the pleasure, as I said, of talking to the D-Men students. And you guys may have received a sticky note when you came in. If you didn't, at the very end, you know, let the ushers know. They'll bring some to you if you didn't. But I told them that in order for them to move forward in the dream, the goal, the plan that God has for them, that they were going to have to let go of some things. And it's a risk to let go of what you're comfortable with. It's a risk to let go of what you think that you're supposed to be doing. It's a risk. But they also had to let go of some bad habits. In fact, I'll tell you the questions that I ask, and I'm asking those questions of you right now. Are you aware of any issues or areas in need of healing or change? What beliefs, attitudes, and patterns do you need to die to. They're bad things, and you just need to die to them and let them go. What, this one is hard, what or who, who needs to be released, ended, or shed from your life? 
Ask you those same questions today. And that piece of paper you have, I want you to start writing some things down. If there's something you know that's in your life that's keeping you, it may be that you're at the limb high pass right now, and that thing is holding you in place and keeping you from moving forward. At the very end, we're going to have an opportunity to release it and tape it to the cross. Because the Lord says that limb high pass cannot keep you from doing the work you're called to do. Letting it go is a risk. It's a risk of maybe a relationship. It's a risk of maybe finances that you were dependent on. It's a risk. I shared with them yesterday also that I just, my husband and I will be closing on a house uh, on the 19th, and I'm very thankful for that. But it's not just any house. It's a house in a sore neighborhood where people have asked me, are you crazy? They asked me that about church planning too. Either I'm crazy or they just don't understand. But anyway, they asked, are you crazy? And I said, the Lord called me to this. This is where he wants me. And so if he wants me there, then he will keep me while I'm there. He will protect me. He will do all of the things that I have need of. But I have to go back to what Paul said to Timothy because the God that I serve did not give me the spirit of fear but of power. And so wherever I am and whatever I do, I know that I am in his will. So it takes risk. Right across the street from where I'm moving, there was a very popular man in the city of Savannah. His name, his rapper name was Camouflage. He was killed. They still have a little sign erected saying, we will never forget. Right around the corner, there's a shooting every week. But God said, go. I've called you to this. So sometimes the calling requires risk. It requires recognition of the voice of God. It requires recognition that he gives the instructions. Ask Abraham. He brought Lot with him. And he ended up being in a situation where the men were fighting and bickering, and he had to send Lot on his way. But he never lost anything. Because the recognition was, I didn't follow the instructions that God gave me. And therefore, I'm in the situation that I'm in. He reached his limb high pass. He pivoted, and he sent Lot on his way. So it's a recognition of what that call is and that you're willing to sacrifice for that call. And the last thing is reward. When we do what God asked us to do, there is a reward, there's a Canaan, there's a radiant church where we are growing and we are prospering, even coming out of a pandemic. And we have people who love God and love each other. Go ahead and stand if we can have our uh, worship team come forward. They love 
God and they're living in community. And we sit together every Sunday and we have word around the table. God has given instructions that none of our meetings are to be over 150. So as our community grows, we're already looking at planting on the uh, west side. And then from the west, we're going to the north. And then from the north, we're going to the south. He said, cover all four corners of Savannah with communities of people who will gather and worship me, who will bring others in that are marginalized, people who have been overlooked and probably passed over, bring them in so we can sit and eat together. There's reward when you take the risk and you recognize what God has called you to and you follow his instructions. There are rewards. And so, I invite you today, if you're here and you've written something down on that paper that you need to let go of, maybe it's the expectations of others. Maybe it's your own expectations of where you thought you'd be right now. Maybe it's a sin that's been holding you back. Lust, pride, jealousy, uh, being envious, any of those things. Write it on that paper. Because God said so clearly in his word that he had nailed our transgressions to the cross. And so today, the only way we get them is that we take them back. But we're surrendering them today. We're surrendering them today and we are putting them back on the cross. The only place of redemption is where we are going to put those things. Because we're at our limb high pass and we don't have time to debate. We must be about our father's business. I'm gonna read this scripture, it says, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Colossians 2, 14. And so today, if there's something you've been holding on to that you need to release, I want you to take the opportunity now as the worship team sings this song, New Wine, because that's what you can be. You can allow the new wine of the Holy Spirit to refresh you. Bring it up and put it on the cross. You can write it on the back of the sticky so when you put it up, nobody sees what's there, however you want to do it. But we're going to do that this morning. And I'm going to come down and anyone who wants to be anointed, I will anoint you and pray that what you put here and released will be forever released in your life and you can find a clear path to where God is leading you and to what he is calling you to. So come. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> 